And the scripture that I want to read is John 13, 34 through 35. It says, So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. And I've had one of my way back former youth members on my mind a lot lately. When I first started as a youth director back in 1995, who was not alive then? Yeah, 1995. I had a lively group of boys. I was a 19-year-old with a lively group of middle school boys. One of those boys was Kenneth Chester Groves, also known as KC. KC was just five years younger than me and was in the seventh grade the summer that I began as his youth leader. I had my hands full with KC, but everyone who met him loved him and his big old country boy personality, including me. We spent five years together throughout youth. He would show up to my house just to say hey once he started driving. And he had a huge pickup truck with a horn that played Dixie. And he had to pass my house to go home. So I heard da -da 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 every day. Every day. He was a bit mischievous in his teen years, and everyone was on guard when KC was around. Kurt was Casey's best bud all throughout youth. Kurt was the polar opposite of Casey. Kurt played by the rules and kept Casey from getting in real trouble. I remember one year we were driving somewhere in Alabama on our way to a summer retreat when I heard Casey from the back of the van say, Hey, Amy, we need to pull over. Now, if you've ever traveled with kids, you know that stops can double your travel time if you let them. Now, imagine traveling in a 15-passenger van, and 14 of those passengers are preteens and teens. Stops have to be regulated. So I said, no. Casey said, Amy, we really need to pull over real quick. I reminded him that we had just stopped within the hour prior, and I told everyone at that stop that we weren't stopping again, and they needed to use the bathroom before we left, so unless he was about to throw up, we were not stopping. The third time, he said, Amy, we need to pull over now. It was more intense and urgent and a little labored. I said, why? And he proceeded to tell me that he had his head stuck in the seatbelt. At this point, he told me that he had to get out because it was choking him. One of the girls in the back mentioned that he was turning a pale shade of blue. He said he was going to get his knife and cut the seatbelt. To which I replied, because remember, you have to be 25 to rent a van and I was not 25. So I said, you can't cut the seatbelt. My mama rented the van. 
So I quickly found a safe place to pull over. I walked around to the door, and we maneuvered little KC out of that seatbelt. And when he was finally free and able to fill his little lungs with oxygen, I asked him, why in the world would you do something like that? Now remember, I was only five years older than him, so I'm guessing I was not that calm, and those were probably not the words that I used with KC. But I will never forget KC's response. He looked me dead in the eye and said, Kurt told me to. Kurt's the one that's supposed to be keeping him out of the trouble. This was also the same trip that KC and Kurt decided that it would be a great idea to let the camp counselors shave them bald. I came into the house where we were staying and they had no hair. This was before cell phones. I couldn't give mom and daddy a heads up. We pulled into the church parking lot and their babies don't have any hair anymore. And Casey also chose for his designated daily devotion spot to be on top of the roof of the house. This was my Casey. So Casey was the one who made me realize that I must really love being a youth director to keep on keeping on and to take trip after trip with these kids. Casey graduated from high school in 1999 and moved to Alabama where he had a great job learning a trade and he was well on his way to making his way in his place in this world. Anytime he would come home, he would be sure to stop by and visit. We spent afternoons hanging out at my house on the weekends just talking about his work and my work and the youth group and his friends. And we talked about faith, but we watched a lot of NASCAR too. The very few things that I know about NASCAR I learned from sitting with KC in my living room. He stopped by my house one Saturday afternoon and asked if I would go to dinner with him and his dad and their family for his 21st birthday. Now, I remember hesitating because I was working three jobs and I was exhausted and I happened to be off this Saturday night and I had plans to do nothing. But something nudged me to say yes. So we agreed that he would run home and I would get ready and then they would swing by and pick me up on their way back out. We had the best time celebrating Casey's 21st birthday that night. KC turned 21 on August the 24th, 2002. And on August the 30th, 2002, six days later, he died instantly in a car accident in Alabama. The day he died, I had driven to Blue Ridge to visit a friend. We did have cell phones by then. And I remember my little Nokia phone ringing as I was coming off the mountain in Chatsworth. And I answered to find my best friend, Abby, on the other line telling me about Casey. I didn't want to believe it. I remember calling my mama right after I hung up the phone with Abby. I couldn't even say words. I was just crying. Without even asking me what was wrong, she said, you know, somebody told you. She said, I was hoping they wouldn't tell you until you were not driving. I got home, and our preacher at the time called to tell me the arrangements of where the funeral were being made, 
and that Casey's mom, Linda, had requested that I do the eulogy. That was the first time I remember thinking, maybe I hated being in youth ministry. There are people who will come into your life and make an impact that you could never imagine. KC was, by definition, every teacher's nightmare. If you've ever taught anything, school, Sunday school, vacation Bible school, children's church, you've encountered that kid. The kid that won't allow the lesson to happen, the class clown, the distractor. KC was all of those kids wrapped up into one. But he loved me as his youth leader and mentor, laws and all. And I loved him as my youth member and friend, laws and all. I learned after Casey died that he had mentioned to some of his friends in the youth that um, he believed he wouldn't live to be very old, that he felt like he was going to die young. Maybe that's why Casey lived every day to its fullest, wide open, never stopping. When I spoke at KC's funeral, I had the pleasure of being able to confirm to his friends and family that he had accepted Christ as his Savior on a youth retreat. If you ever wonder why we send teenagers to the beach every year, that is reason number one. The majority of youth accept Jesus as their Savior on a retreat, away from their church, amongst their peers, who are all worshiping together. What peace we had knowing that Casey had seen Jesus when he died. Knowing Casey was instrumental in my decision to continue in youth ministry. I have many people who have impacted my life. People who maybe at the time I didn't see it, but eventually I learned many important life lessons and sometimes gained lifelong friendships. Being a Christian is really all about having a relationship with Christ. If your faith is dependent on your relationship with Christ, wouldn't it stand to reason that all of the other relationships in your life are also important? Are there people who have been in your life for a season and years from the last time you saw them, you realized their purpose? God brings those people into our lives every day. This isn't new. Every relationship you form serves a purpose. Sometimes it may be simply to fill a void. Some offer life lessons. Some are lifelong. Some are for a season. And some are for a particular reason. Moses and Aaron complimented each other through the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt. Naomi and Ruth, Ruth were the perfect example of a strong support system and a lifelong, unconditional friendship. Eleven of the disciples were an example of loyalty and respect. Judas served a purpose. Who comes to mind when you think of your early days as a Christian? Who set the stage for you to walk with Christ? Who encouraged you to love Jesus with all of your heart? 
Was it an early childhood Sunday school teacher who taught you the words to the B-I-B-L-E? Was it a youth leader who loved you enough to know that they wanted to see you in heaven in spite of those teenage hormones and attitudes? Was it a mentor in your adult life who wouldn't give up on you? Or a pastor who wasn't afraid to preach biblical truth and opened your heart and mind to allow the Holy Spirit to enter in? That's who I was thinking of when I said that. Was it your Judas? Even they serve a purpose. God tends to use even them for his glory in somebody's story. My mama was my first and biggest influence. You shouldn't be surprised by that by now. My grandparents, particularly my granddaddy, showed me that hard work is important and respectable, but Sundays are for God. Miss Elva, my Sunday school teacher when I was a kid, she taught me all the Bible studies when I was little and drove me to my first visit to Camp Glisten as a teen. I've had pastors and church members who inspired me, and I've had pastors and church members who have hurt me. I grew closer to God through them all. My sister keeps me grounded in my faith when I'm ready to go rogue. But my biggest inspiration to love Jesus and to share his love is my children. My two biological children, for sure, but also all of those who see me as a youth leader. Who have you influenced for Christ? Have you taught or participated in Sunday school, vacation Bible school, a Bible study? You don't have to be a leader to make the difference. Moses' success was dependent upon Aaron. And this is a good place to interject that there's a meeting next week. <laughs> if you would like to volunteer to help with the children. Is there someone at school or work who you've connected with and they know that you are who you are because of the Savior that you serve? Have you volunteered at shelters and food pantries or even public events so that others can see the hands and feet of Christ in action? How different would your life be if you weren't a part of the body of Christ? The other day, some of you may have seen this on my Facebook page, the other day I was standing in line at Food Line and there was a gentleman counting his change to buy groceries. He was getting ready to put it in that little coin star machine and he had it all laid out and the man in line in front of me noticed and mentioned times must be hard if you're having to count your change to buy groceries. And the man counting the change said, yeah, but you got to do what you got to do. The man in line in front of me finished paying for his groceries, then laid a $20 bill on top of the man's coins and simply said, here you go, and walked away. I watched the man hold up the $20 bill in disbelief and say thank you as the man continued to walk out the door. He then grabbed a buggy, headed down the aisle. The way it all happened brought tears to my eyes because I knew Jesus was working. Whether either of those gentlemen knew it or not, I knew. But what an opportunity to give him credit. People were touched by the simple act of a man giving another man $20 for some groceries. 
Have you told the inspirational people in your life what they mean to you and how much you appreciate their influence? What acts of kindness can you do this week to show God's love? How can you use your love for one another to prove to the world that you are a disciple of Jesus Christ? 